Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with How Stuff Works and iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. Today, it's time for another classic episode of Tech Stuff. This one originally aired on August 1st, 2012, and it is titled Tech Stuff Tests the Emergency Broadcast System. Chris Paulette and I decided to sit down and really learn about the history of the emergency broadcast system. What does it really mean? And maybe you've actually turned on the TV when one of those tests were going on and wondered what the heck is happening. This show should answer all those questions. So take it away, Chris and younger me. So we wanted to do an episode about the emergency broadcast system. This was actually a request that was sent in by a couple of different listeners, uh, which is interesting because uh, it doesn't really technically exist anymore. Now we have a new system in the United States called the Emergency Alert System. Also, I should apologize to all of our listeners from places other than the United States. This is a very United States-centric podcast, but it's interesting anyway. Trust me. Well, it's it's become something that's... Uh that's important in, in most situations too. I mean, there there are uh, tragedies and, and big events that happen in places all over the world. So the the question is, you've got a country. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the United States, but you have a country. You have millions of people living there, and something is happening. There's an earthquake or a tsunami or uh, some other kind of accident, um, or another country is invading or something like that. You know, something big where you need to tell people, hey, look out! There's something. You need to evacuate. You need to get out of there. How do you address mm-hmm. so many people in a short time? Now, uh, for the United States, what inspired this was uh, the need to reach out to people during World War II. Right. Um, and there there wasn't a system. And it, subsequently, the Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the whole uh, – the end of the, the uh, Second World War ended, of course, with the uh, dropping of two atomic bombs on Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, – you know, it was apparent because other countries had that technology pretty much right away. And uh, the, the, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union began shortly after that. And then there, yep. was a, um, there was a big fear in the United States but about um, what would happen if the Soviet Union launched uh, a nuclear attack on the United States. How do you warn people? And uh, they said, well, you know, judging by uh, what we did in World War II, that was fairly effective. But we need a system Right. Uh, we need we need a plan. We need to figure out how we can do this effectively and let everybody know in a short period of time because we're not going to have long. We need to have a short period of time, um, a, a message in place. How can we reach out to people? Right. And that was basically the birth of um, what now is the emergency alert system. But at that point, uh, was known as Conrad. Yes. Uh, in fact. Which was, by the way, kind of sort of an acronym for a control of electromagnetic radiation, which is kind of terrifying, what? right? Yeah. But it, it, that was established in 1951 by uh, under the administration of Harry S. Truman. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick, quick. Trivia. What does the S stand for? Nothing. That's right. Harry S. Truman stood for nothing. Wait, no, that's no, not right. S no, the S stood, stood for, for nothing. Me. He just um, wanted it. He liked it. Sort yeah. of, you know, like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. So you don't say, like, the S stands for nothing. Like, nothing isn't spelled with S. I don't mean to confuse you. The S doesn't mean anything. So uh, the control of electromagnetic radiation, getting back on track. Prior to 1951, these alerts went out 
over radio stations. They would get like an emergency bulletin, and it was pretty much up to the station whether or not they read it. Um, yeah. Connell Red kind of established a specific protocol that needed to be followed in the event of an emergency. And originally, the idea was that it would alert citizens of the United States of an impending attack from the Soviet Union. In those days, we're talking about before intercontinental ballistic missiles. So these attacks would take the form of bombers flying overhead. And so Connell Wright had two main purposes, really. One was to uh, issue alerts to citizens to try and get them to safety as soon as possible in the case of an attack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the second was to minimize the ability of the Soviets to target uh, specific areas based on radio frequencies. So part of the Conrad protocol was that radio stations would shut down and they would only uh, broadcast in a certain amount of time and under certain frequencies. Mm-hmm. So under the Conrad protocol, you essentially had uh, this. This is what would happen if if someone were to uh, issue an alert. By the way, no alert was ever issued. It was originally called a key station system, mm-hmm. and the idea was that you had these dedicated telephone circuits that connected the air defense control centers to certain key radio stations called basic key stations. Mm-hmm. If there were an impending attack, the air defense control center would issue the alert to the key radio stations, these basic key stations, that would then issue that same alert to relay key stations. These would be smaller regional radio stations. Uh, so they, it was sort of a hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. It went from air defense control centers to a certain number of basic radio stations to every other radio station. Once they received the alert, the radio stations would then broadcast a predetermined message out to the listeners. And the way it would work is that the stations would turn off for five seconds. So they'd stop transmitting for five seconds, come back on for five seconds, go off for five more seconds, then come on and transmit a tone for 15 seconds. Now, this was the uh, the audible alert saying something is up. Mm-hmm. You get the predetermined message. Uh, actually, really what you had to do was tune to one of two frequencies. There was a frequency, the, the 640 kilohertz frequency and the 1240 kilohertz frequency. Mm-hmm. Now, these two frequencies were the only two that were authorized to broadcast during one of these emergencies. And uh, on radios at the time, you would see this little symbol over those those frequencies. Yep. And it was a, uh, a triangle inside a circle, and that's the civil defense mark. Yeah, you might remember uh, the uh, the symbol was sort of red, white, and blue, if uh-huh. you've seen it around. And uh, it's still not terribly uncommon to see it every once in a while someplace. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that was, that was saying, like, yeah. these are the two frequencies. If you if your favorite radio station isn't on, tune into this station because right. this is where the information is going to come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not the best system for a couple of different reasons. One was that it was prone to... Uh, false alarms if yes. uh, like an electrical storm could set off a false alarm because right. you're talking about electricity and radio frequencies. There is a relationship there, and we have talked about that extensively on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So listen to our episodes about radio to learn more about electromagnetism, radio waves, and electricity because I can't go into it here. But the the lightning strikes could cause false alarms, which is you know a bad thing if <laughs> if you've been told that this alert system means that there's an impending attack from Soviet planes, it might cause a little stress. Uh, also, the switching mechanism, because it would make transmitters switch on and off in this this, um, this sequence, could cause transmitters to fail over time, mm-hmm. just from powering up and powering down so frequently within a certain amount of time. And then, of course, 
this whole system, this idea of cutting off radio contact so that you could minimize the ability for Soviets to target in on specific regions, mm-hmm. it became meaningless once intercontinental ballistic missiles became a, a real thing. Right. Because now you're not talking about planes anymore. You're talking about guided missiles and uh, – or at least targeted missiles. So it became – clear that Conrad was starting to no longer be very relevant. So they, the government started to think, well, what can we do that will provide a similar method for us to message out emergency notices, but use a different approach? And that was what sort of led into the development of the emergency broadcast system, EBS. Mm-hmm. Yep. In 1963, EBS made its debut. Um, and, uh, again, it, it never was used, of course, to, uh, to communicate the threat of war. Not on purpose. We'll get there. <laughs> but, uh, I, I'm assuming that you listened to the, uh, W-O-W-O. Oh, I did. That was fun. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a much more robust system. Yep. Um, Introduced and, during the Kennedy administration, for those of you keeping track. Yep, yep. And, um, one of the nice things about it is, uh, here again, you, well, you could kind of tell, kind of judge the mood, too. Um, if you had heard uh, something come over Conrad, you probably immediately would have thought war. Yeah. But EBS was actually used for other things, too. Uh, right. I remember uh, weather alerts mm-hmm. coming in using the exact same thing. And so you would hear, and this was used on multiple radio stations. You didn't necessarily have to tune into one radio station to get your uh, information. It would be broadcast over TV and radio. Yeah, because you no longer had to worry about that targeting issue. Then right. it meant that all the stations could be used instead of having to tune into a specific one while everything else is turned off. And hey, that's more effective anyway to reach yep. people. Um, but yeah, you would hear this this tone, uh, which oh. it, it's hard to explain it if you've never heard it. Ear splitting. Other than ear splitting and annoying. Yeah, Between, uh, but it uh, does get your attention. Apparently, it's the combined sine waves of 853 hertz and 960 hertz, specifically chosen because it does grab your attention because it's very jarring. It's, yes, to hear it is just you know, eh, eh, you, know like you can't ignore it. If no. you can hear, you can't ignore it. That's that's true. Um, and of course, uh, uh, those of us who are familiar with it, other than you know being living somewhere where there are multiple weather. Uh, situations like tornadoes yeah, or hurricanes. Thank you, tornadoes. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you would probably have heard this through the uh, the alerts, which uh, Jonathan and I grew up with, which was the testing. Say, yeah, they would say uh, they would come on and, and say, "Well, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system." And it, for it the would, next sixty seconds, we will be testing out the emergency broadcast system. It would there was actually a very specific script that it would follow. Yes, yes. And then there would be after they would tell you there's a test coming, they would play this tone. And then there'd be another message that would appear at the end saying, this was a test of the emergency broadcast system. If this had been a real emergency, you would have received more information at this point, uh, alerting you to blah, 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 blah. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming type stuff. Yeah, and they were required to do this test. Once a week. Yeah, on a regular basis. I didn't think it was quite that frequently. It was once a week unless you had actually had to uh, issue a real alert. Oh, If you had to issue a real alert, you could skip over some time. But it was... Once a week at a, uh, essentially a random time between 8.30 in the morning and sunset at night uh, sometime during the week. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that ev- – we'll get into this too. 
there wasn't a time where every single station had to do it at the same time. It was unique to the various stations. And um, like you were saying, Chris, you know, th- these alerts went out not just for a national emergency. In fact, they never went out on purpose for a national emergency. Instead, uh, so, so never it was never used purposefully to, for that reason, even though that was the genesis of this system. It was used more than, oh, I don't know, several thousand times to alert for civil emergencies, sometimes an alert about uh, to be on the lookout for a suspect in a, in a particularly nasty crime. That could be an alert. Or for the weather alerts, like the ones that Chris and I grew up with, I, I, I can remember that happening so many times. Well, the, uh, the way the emergency broadcast system worked was that the only message that no station could ignore or was supposed to ignore was a national one. Yeah. Right? So if you are a radio station in the middle of nowhere and the national alert goes out, you were supposed to to broadcast it just like every other station in the country. Right. Uh, whereas if it were local or regional, you may or may not have been able to ignore that message and not broadcast it. The, uh, the way it worked was that, again, like the Conrad system where you had the key stations, the basic key stations and the relay key stations, mm-hmm. there was a similar setup for the emergency broadcast system, you had these primary points of contact, which mm-hmm. would be major broadcast stations usually. But these primary points of contact had to issue all, broadcast all the alerts they got. They had no choice because they were a primary point of contact. But if you were further down the chain, like you were a secondary point or further down, mm-hmm. then you could elect whether or not to broadcast that alert, assuming it wasn't a national alert. That was the only one, of course. Everyone had to broadcast. Right. So, um, you know, there were, that, that explains why you might be in an area where a weather service alert is being broadcast uh, and you saw it on one channel, but you switch to another local channel and there's nothing. That could be why. Mm-hmm. It may be that that other channel is not a primary point and therefore was not required to broadcast it. Mm-hmm. Beep. This is not a test. This is actually us going into a commercial break. See you on the flip side. Now the uh, the incident that Jonathan mentioned, ah, famous incident. Now I, I read an account of this from a person who was working at a radio station in St. Louis at the time it happened. Yeah, um, and, the time it happened, by the way, is February twentieth, nineteen seventy one. Yep, and and what he had said was that uh, every Saturday at ten thirty three, the radio stations would receive a test message from uh, Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado. And so basically it would say, and there was a code word that it would include uh, that would let you know that it was was genuine. And so uh, at 1033, um, there, there was a teletype machine in the other room, and he heard it. And, and typically it would, it would ding a couple times to let you know, hey, there's something, something on the wire, you know, a news story on the wire. But this one rang 10 times, which he knew was a big deal. Um, and uh, so he ran into the other room and got a message that said he needed to broadcast uh, a warning that there was uh, an announcement coming from the national, you know, from the federal government. And it was something bad and impending and be on the alert because it was time yeah. to broadcast a message. But they really weren't told what that message was, what it was. Well, see, here's the thing. Hateful. 
hateful. The, the, yeah, which was a code word meaning that the code that was actually a code word. The hateful was a code word that meant there's an a, a message coming up. There's an attack coming up, but more details will follow. Uh, go ahead and initiate the alert system. Yes, and it was a mistake that was made by a teletype operator who sent this authenticated code out to the system, which meant it went to all those those primary points of contact. And it didn't say five. It didn't say a minute later. Oops, my bad. No, no, it took a while. And in fact, the first time they tried to rescind it, they sent the wrong code. So it didn't rescind the the message. It was only 40 minutes after the initial message was sent out that the the cancellation, the uh, correct cancellation went out. So what happened was uh, actually very telling in a way because some radio, uh, radio and television stations, actually a lot of them, didn't do anything at all. So they did not broadcast this message. And that, in a way, is a problem because the whole purpose of the system is to relay a national emergency to everybody. Yeah. Now, it, now in many of these cases, it may be that the people in charge said, there's no information here. We have no real – I mean, it's a confirmed code, but there's no confirmed information, and we have nothing to share with people. So why yeah. would we go ahead and do this yeah. when we don't have any information we could give them? Yeah, they were standing by to broadcast Whatever the major uh, announcement was about the attack, right? Some of them hadn't even s- signaled the alert, right? Mm-hmm. They just right, the programming right. just kept on going. But other stations did. Some of them didn't know what to do, so some of them weren't doing it on purpose. Some of them weren't doing it because they didn't know what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And a few actually broke into programming and said, "We've received an alert from the emergency broadcast system. We know that there is a national emergency. We're awaiting for more information." Please stand by. And what Chris was talking about earlier was uh, there are there are a couple of recordings on the internet you can listen to that were taken from that day. Yes, and one of them is from a radio station from Fort Wayne, Indiana, called WOWO, and you can listen to that. You can find it on the internet. The actual it's snippets from that. Yeah, it's it's been edited. It's been sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, It's been edited down so that you get. Uh, sections, the important sections of yeah. of the uh, the broadcast. It's about what six minutes or so long. Right, right. Keeping um, in mind that that whole window was more like forty minutes, so yeah. this is six minutes of footage or footage from uh, six minutes of content from that forty minute window. Yeah. So basically, what it said was, uh, you know, hey, there there's something coming up. It's it's um it's one of those things that would be funny if it weren't if you don't put yourself back at that time. Yeah, it would have been terrifying at the time. It would time. have been terrifying because he's the person who was on the air was a uh, you could tell was a uh, seasoned news person. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he was very serious and said, you know, uh, there's there's been a message we're waiting word for what's going on. Uh, if you are listening and you are one of our reporters, come here immediately. We need you here right now. Yeah. And and basically he was talking uh, not only to the audience, but to the uh, the other reporters who might be listening. The message itself actually said, um, uh, message authenticator, hatefulness, hatefulness. This is an emergency action notification directed by the president. Normal broadcasting will cease immediately. All stations will broadcast EAN message one, preceded by the attention signal per FCC rules. Only stations holding ND, NDEA may stay on the air in, according, in accord with state EBS plan. And uh, that would have scared the pants off of me. Yeah. Um, and it took a while, as Jonathan said, uh, you know, kill EAN message. It was sent in error and it took a, a while for it to uh, to show up. But um, the person <laughs> he the person who I was I was reading, I should have gotten the, the URL if I can find it real quick for you guys. I will. Um, 
the uh, the person who uh, was who has actually posted photos of um, uh, scans of his copies of these messages mm-hmm. uh, was uh, saying, "Excuse the burn marks. I was uh, smoking pretty heavily through this incident." Yeah, <laughs> so I think he was kind of stressed out. There's, if you listen to the the recording from the WOWO uh, incident, <laughs> you actually hear the the newscaster kind of chuckling once the. Yeah. Once the order was sent out about this was a mistake and, you know, kind of kind of because, you know, clearly it was one of the stressful things and the chuckling is him releasing that stress. Yeah. And it is an interesting moment in history to kind of pick up on that. Um, so, yeah, not, that was the only time that a national alert went out across the system. And again, it wasn't a real one. It was a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. And then what was supposed to happen is that. Uh, depending upon the the nature of the emergency, uh, stations are supposed to read from a predetermined script. Like it's it's they're not supposed to just you know kind of provide commentary on it. There's a specific message that needs to be relayed, mm-hmm. and um, so that was the the general purpose of the uh, emergency broadcast system. But it was starting to show its age, uh, particularly in the 90s, because you started to have other methods of getting content on your television besides broadcast TV. Mm-hmm. And the emergency broadcast system really affected radio and broadcast television. So there needed to be uh, an overhaul of the system, and that's what happened in the late 90s. And in 98, you had the emergency alert system take its place. Mm-hmm. And now you might say, well, what's the difference? Well, for one thing, it doesn't just include broadcast stations. It also includes cable and participating satellite systems. So now you've got other methods of broadcast or, or you know, other methods of getting content over your television included in this. So that way, if a citizen is watching cable television or something on satellite TV, they could still have access to an emergency message because clearly, you know, you don't want to leave everybody out. As, as people have more and more ways of watching stuff, it's harder to reach them in a centralized way. Yeah, these these systems were developed to run on uh, AM and FM radio and the local broadcast stations. Right. So now we've gone from, in the United States, uh, let's say on average, probably three or four uh, regular network broadcast stations, maybe a couple independents in the larger, you know, uh, larger cities. Yeah, something in the ultra high frequency. Yeah, um, you know, maybe... Uh, Six or six to ten stations in big big markets. Um, then you go to dozens or even hundreds of stations now with cable and satellite. Right. Um, you know, plus uh, you know the radio stations which have exploded in number. Right. Um, satellite radio and all the other media that we listen to now. So yeah, the that's system. A, that's a lot of people. Yeah, the system needed to to evolve with that development, yeah. and of mm-hmm. course, even now we're still we're already seeing a need for that too find another way mm-hmm. of reaching people because as people start to use the internet to get content now there's yet another avenue for information to get to them but in, you know this system was not designed with that in mind so there's already another need coming out chris and i have a bit more to say about the emergency broadcast system but first let's take another quick break The way it works now, uh, the National Weather Service actually has specific codes that they can uh, attach to notices so that those digital codes 
will send the message just to the relevant regions. Yeah. So that way, if there, if the National Weather Service detects that there's going to be, you know, a, a massive hurricane hitting the panhandle of Florida, it can send an alert to say, Texas and and Florida and you know Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, mm-hmm. all those areas that could potentially be affected by heavy rains, winds, that sort of stuff, and the rest of the nation's unaffected. Mm-hmm. Or even the rest, you know, rest of certain states, like the northern part of the state might not be affected because they're far enough away from the coast, where at least it's not going to be an immediate effect. They might not get the message either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so that the right information gets to the right people. I mean, it makes sense. You know, you don't want to send out a message to the entire nation that for something that's just going to affect a relatively small um, area of the nation as a whole. Mm-hmm. The United States is big. So... Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's something that that has evolved over time. Uh, the and the other thing I was going to talk about was what happened on November ninth, twenty eleven. Yeah, um, there is one sort of interesting footnote mm. um, to the uh, the EBS era passing uh, from to the uh, uh, EAS era. Um, EBS was not activated during the September eleventh, two thousand and one attacks, yep. um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, that they chose not to to uh, to use the alert at that time. Yeah, particularly since the attacks affected multiple targets in multiple cities. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it is or it would have affected even more uh, had not the the flight in Pennsylvania gone down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, just just sort of an interesting footnote there. Yeah. Um, but yes, on November 9th, twenty eleven, uh, the EAS made its debut. Yeah, uh, and the system had been in place. But right. what happened was because the system was was well, that's right. unveiled the, in ninety eight. But yeah, in, the EAS was actually what would have been used in right. uh, September eleven. Right. Sorry. So so on November 9, twenty eleven, what happened was it was tested nationally, right. and this was the first time any of these systems had ever been tested on a national level, meaning that every participating station was going to display the test at the same time. And that time was going to be uh, – it was 2 p.m. Eastern for on November 9th, 2011, which means that if you didn't know about it ahead of time and mm-hmm. you turned on your television, you would see this alert and you'd think, oh, this is irritating. This is that one of those stupid tests and you change the channel and that alert is still going and it's going on this other channel. Uh-oh, this is something. And so there were a lot of messages that were sent out before – 2 p.m. November 9th, 2011, to let people know, hey, this is going to happen. Don't worry. The zombies aren't here yet. Right. Or whatever other national emergency you might be able to conjure up in your mind. I just cannot imagine a national emergency at this point that does not involve zombies. Right, right. Well, there are, uh, um, according to uh, the Christian Science Monitor, um, there were 14,000 and more broadcast stations, uh, both for TV and radio, plus more than uh, 10,000 cable TV stations. Mm-hmm. So this is all being done at the same time. Um, and uh, it, it's able to uh, reach a lot more people. But they're already talking about um, how they can reach people via text message and in other locations. Um, you know, they're, they're already talking again about how they can improve this, this system to make it reach more people, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, you know, Kind of funny since it probably reaches more now than it ever has before. Um, but I, I can imagine that it's going to, to improve. It's going to do things like promoted tweets. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
There are, you yeah. laugh, but I can easily imagine that. It's just, I know, and I absolutely see it. Um, and it, uh, it's also important, too, to, to realize that this uh, does more than just uh, announce, say, an attack like Conrad would. Right. Um, there are more than, uh, I believe, 80 different kinds of messages they can use the EAS for, including things like child abduction alerts. I've seen those before, um, too. Yes, and uh, here uh, here in Atlanta, we have a, uh, a highway that goes around the outside of the city, known as the perimeter. 285. For, uh, obvious reasons. Uh, yeah, highway uh, or interstate 285, and there are electronic signs that they can use. And a lot of ta- a lot of times you'll see st- uh, stuff like, uh, well, there's a uh, traffic up ahead, or be you know be aware there's an accident. Um, but they also use the this messaging on those signs as well. So that's a way for people to uh, uh, for the authorities to reach us with these kinds of messages. On a side note, how can a highway that encircles a city that's all within one state be an interstate. Jonathan? Uh, I'm just asking. These are questions that that, that happen in my head, and I want to know. Why do you drive on a parkway and park in a driveway? I also want to know that. I don't name these things. I just report them. If our legs bent backwards, what would a chair look like? (laughs) What if there were no hypothetical questions? Oh, that's terrible. All right, so um, now now that we've totally killed that... uh, But... Yeah, the the EAS is supposed to be able to turn on uh, certain types of radios and TVs and other devices to allow uh, people to receive these emergency messages, which, of course, will inspire many people to go, you know, the government is trying to take over our world, Um, which is all right. For them to say, I suppose, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, there there are ways for for uh, them to reach us in uh, to let us know if there's something important that we should be aware of. Sure. Um, so uh, you know, it really has involved quite a bit since the the 1950s when the first system was put into place, mm-hmm. and similar systems to this are in place in other countries around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we specifically focus on this one because it's the country we live in. So, uh, again, apologies to all of our listeners overseas. Hopefully, this was interesting to you. Just at, on on the level of how do you take something as simple in in concept as getting a message out? How do you Take that and then apply it to a very complex world. Uh-huh. And uh, it's an interesting approach. It's not necessarily the best one either. There may be other approaches that would be uh, that would be more efficient and more effective than the emergency alert system. But you know that's what we have. So if you guys live in a country that has a similar system but it works on a different way. Let us know. Tell us. Tell us about it. You know, if you're familiar with that kind of thing, because I find it really interesting. I mean, it's yeah. a very important concept, and it's like I said, this is not the only way to get it to work. Yeah, and it's, it's a challenge yeah. to reach that many people um, in a, in a very short time to let them know that there's something big and important that they need to know. It's a matter of public safety it's, or public concern. We've definitely come a long way from uh, a guy on horseback riding, yelling yeah. out, "The British are coming! The British are coming!" Or uh or uh, Fidipides. Yeah, could you run these 26 miles? Right. 24, but yeah, you know. Anyway. Well, yeah, come on. Um, it's a couple of miles between marathoners. Yeah, and if you are uh, interested in uh, in hearing the uh, bits about the uh, the EBS accident, um, uh, search for WOWO uh, EBS, and you'll probably come up with it pretty quickly. Um, the website I mentioned before uh, is actually stlradio.net slash pages slash ebsaccident.htm. Well, that wraps up this discussion about emergency broadcast system and this classic episode 
from 2012. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any suggestions for future episodes of Tech Stuff, send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com or pop on over to our website. That's techstuffpodcast.com. There you're going to find an archive of all of our previous episodes. You'll find links to our presence on various social media platforms. You'll find more information about yours truly, and you'll find a link to our online store where every purchase you make goes to help the show, and we greatly appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys again really soon. Tech Stuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 